video's not working this morning, so if anyone is good with technology, go help my son out. <laughs> it was working this morning. We're going to start off with the song, um, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So why don't you stand up, just greet everybody, say welcome, Merry Christmas. This is a joyous occasion.
Lord, the greatest gift of all is you. So, Lord, help us to be a space, a womb for you to come and dwell, to uh, make your presence known in our lives and in this church. Thank you, God, for your faithful love. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have gathered today to light the fourth and fifth candle on our Advent wreath. Before we do, let's relight the other three candles and be reminded of each message. (laughs) On the first Sunday, we lit a candle to remind us to get our hearts ready for the coming of Jesus. On the second Sunday, we lit the candle of love. We lit the third candle to remind us that the angels sing news of great joy. Today's candle makes the whole wreath bright. These two candles reminds us that the Prince of Peace and the giving part of Christmas in Christ. In Isaiah 9, 6, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This verse tells us that Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. The word peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which means completeness or well-being. Jesus did not come just to end wars, but to make us complete by saving us from our sinfulness. All we have to do is trust in Jesus as the Son of God who came to save us, and we will have the peace or shalom of God. God has given us many gifts. Sometimes we try to count our blessings and the list is long. But of all his gifts, none is greater than the gift of his son Jesus. In giving us his son, he gave us himself. I light this candle on the fourth Sunday of Advent to remind us of God's gift. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, we read, God, who first ordered light to shine in darkness, has flooded our heart with his light. We now can enlighten men only because we can give them the knowledge of the glory of God as we see it in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us to understand real giving, which is the gift of yourself. Help us to be used as a package to be given again and again wherever you need us in your service. Amen. And thank you, guys. Let's continue with our worship and stand up, please. And we're going to sing hymn number 291, or it'll be up on the screen as well. Oh, 
Well, good morning, church, and Merry Christmas. Good to have you here this morning. My name is Luke, and I get to serve as the pastor here. Uh, We have just a couple of announcements, and then we'll have a a prayer time and then our offering together. Uh, In the back, there's a couple of sign-up sheets. Uh, We're doing another uh, round of T-shirts and uh, polo shirts if you're interested. Um, Also, we have a sign-up sheet for a prayer chain. Every so often, uh, requests from the community will come into into our office. They'll say, hey, can you... Pass this on onto your prayer chain, and so uh, if you'd be interested in being a part of that, you can just write down your name and your contact info. Uh, it's not the gossip chain, it is the prayer chain. So um, you get to hear about it, but you don't get to share about it. So next week, uh, we're going to meet in the family center. We're going to meet at 10 a.m., no Sunday school. We're going to do a brunch together. Uh, Jason and Nicole Queering are sharing. They are a, a church plant couple that's serving in Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, missionary couple that we love and support and learn from and so they're going to be here and sharing a little bit about what's going on there so uh, should be a great morning then our wednesday night live program is going to start back up on january 10 um, with all the activities associated with that and also if you're interested in helping out with meals please check out the the sign up board and also year-end giving contributions uh, there should have been uh, or there was uh, kind of a year-end preview put in your mailbox if you didn't get a chance to get that last week so let's have a time of prayer and then we'll have our offering heavenly father thank you so much for the christmas season god thank you so much for the stories of you that are embedded in this holiday everywhere we look god thank you for a fresh snow that reminds us that Only you can make everything white and pure and clean and beautiful again. God, thank you for this morning. Lord, we pray for those that are traveling this holiday, that you would keep them safe. And God, we pray that this morning and over the rest of our our time together with family, God, that we remember that it is you that we celebrate, it is you that we give thanks for, and it is you that is the greatest gift of all. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Thank you, worship team. The value of something, uh, particularly any kind of heirloom, uh, is really actually often in its story. Um, you know, is, is this a gold ring that, that I bought at the mall a little while ago? Is, is this a ring that, you know, belonged to grandma and great-grandma and her grandma before it? You know, was it forged in Mordor? Like, What's the history of this ring, right? Like, it affects just its current value and how you approach it. Uh, and it's really in its story. Um, in, in my parents' house, we have a table that's been there for like a couple decades. And we know it's old because we can see the saw marks, the circular saw marks on the wood. Um, I think they got it at a garage sale, I think. I should have confirmed this. They're right here. These are my folks. Um... But then over in another corner of the house, we have kind of this nondescript gray blanket, but that came over on the boat from Russia. So for us, you know, the, the value of that item is really in its story. And if the story is lost, in many ways, the value um, to us is, is lost. So this Advent, we've been working through a series. We talked about always watch, always prepare, always rejoice, and today, always proclaim. And folks, all around us, really, are stories of the gospel. And, it, and it's simply a matter of recognizing them and pointing them out. Uh, scripture makes it clear even that these stories are written in nature. Romans 1.19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So when it comes to proclaiming, like we really tend to psych ourselves out on this one. Uh, we're, we get far too wrapped up in like, oh, the difficulties or the fears or this won't work or what if I offend someone? But the truth is, is that we're not on our own on this thing. God has embedded stories all around us. There are stories in nature. There are stories in culture. There are stories in history. There are stories in biology and chemistry. There's stories in art. MB Mission has this fascinating story of a Muslim gal who came to Christ because of art history and seeing who is this Jesus guy who keeps appearing in art history throughout the centuries. And, and so there's stories in music. And so all you have to do is to tap into those stories and then really use them to talk about Jesus. Christmas especially provides us with more opportunities and more tools to proclaim than, than possibly any other season. I mean, our Christmas is saturated with symbols, and those symbols tell the gospel story. But the story behind a lot of those symbols is getting lost. And so we're losing the value of those symbols. And so today, we're going to talk stories. 
to really understand why we even celebrate Christmas on December 25th, you have to go back to early Rome long before Jesus was born. Um, Long before Jesus was born, the Romans had a day to celebrate the sun and to celebrate that the days were getting longer, right? So winter solstice, shortest day of the year. This year it happened on on December 21st. After 21st, the, the days will start to get longer. So the Romans would have a big holiday to celebrate now that the, the, the shorter days are, are done and, and we're going to see more and more sun. And for them, and some of them actually bow down in worship to the sun as part of that holiday and as part of that celebration. So fast forward to 336 AD and many Romans had become Christians. They were following Christ. And so the leader of the church at the time, Pope Julius I, declared that December 25th, should no longer be a day for celebrating the Son, but should become a day to celebrate Jesus, the Son of God. So in 336 AD, the church dedicates December 25th as a day to celebrate the birth of Christ as an alternative to worshiping the Son. So even the date that we celebrate Christmas on points us towards Jesus. Continue to fast forward a bit. Jesus, uh, Christians would meet regularly for communion. When they would meet for communion, this was called a mass. Catholics still do this today. They have mass. Well, in accordance with Pope Julius I, order to celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th, they had a special mass to celebrate Christ. They called it Christ's mass. And if you slur, you get Christmas. So even the name Christmas points us back to towards Jesus. Santa Claus. I now love the story of Santa Claus. Um, rewind a little bit further back, 300 AD. A gentleman by the name of Nicholas was born in Patera. Um, at the time it was Greece. Now it is southern Turkey there on the coast. He's born into a wealthy family, but his parents died while he was still young. But they did, while they were alive, raise their son to to love and follow Jesus. So this guy grows up, um, and he takes the words of Jesus, sell what you own, give the money to the poor. He takes that to heart, and he starts using his money to bless others, especially the poor, the needy, the sick, and the suffering. He is eventually made a bishop of Myra. He gains a reputation for being generous towards those in need. He gains a reputation as his love for children and his current concern for sailors and ships. Didn't see that one coming. In fact, today he is considered the patron saint of sailors, merchant, archers, archers, uh, repentant thieves, children, brewers, okay, um, pawnbrokers, more on that one later, and students. So St. Nicholas loves the poor, he loves children, and he loves to give generously to them, but he's looking for a way to do it anonymously. So when he would hear stories about a family in need, he would wait till nighttime and then he'd walk past their house and he would flip a bag of coins in the window. Well, one night or or, or one time, Nicholas hears about a poor man who has three daughters and this poor man doesn't have enough money for a dowry. Back then, dowry is a big deal. What would happen is that when a, a couple would get married, the father of the bride would give a financial gift to the couple to help them get started. And the bigger the gift, the more likely that your daughters are going to get married. No financial gift probably meant that they were not going to get married and actually were probably destined to eventually end up in slavery. So no money for the dowry is actually a really big deal and a really big concern. And you have this father with three daughters and he doesn't have enough money for it. So Nicholas hears the situation. He feels sympathy for them. He walks by the house and he flips three bags of coins in the window. Well, legend holds that they landed in stockings that the girls had laid out by the fire to dry, either stockings or shoes. And this story spreads like wildfire all throughout Europe, and and different versions start to evolve out of this. But this is where we get stockings hung by the fire. One version of the story says that he threw actually three gold balls in the window, And so that is why today sometimes people give oranges, because oranges look like a gold ball. Some versions say that he dropped the money down the chimney, but that would have been a little bit hard. Nicholas dies December 6, 343 A.D. Catholics love this guy. They make him a saint, and they dedicate December 6 as St. Nicholas Day. 
And the tradition becomes that gifts are given to children, either in stockings or shoes, in honor of this man who loved Jesus, who tried to love other people like Jesus did, and used his money to bless the poor like Jesus. And actually, if you remember the little video from the Millers, last time we, we had like, uh, gre- like, maybe that was actually Wednesday night, we had greetings from Jason and Nicole, we had greetings from the Millers in Austria, and there's a little clip in there where they talk about December 6th, St. Nicholas Day, and there's a video clip of them coming out of their rooms, and in the hallway there's three sets of shoes, and there's candy and gifts in the shoes for the kids. That's St. Nicholas Day for them, and that's how they practice it. You come out in the morning, and there's gifts in your shoes waiting for you. Um, St. Nicholas Day, widely celebrated in Europe, and there were places like Germany and Poland where boys would dress up like bishops, and then they would beg for alms for the poor, which is pretty much what the Salvation Army does every Christmas. Every time you walk by and you, you see one of those people ringing the bell, that harkens back to St. Nicholas and even the fact that he would do fundraising and ask others for money, for alms, for money, to give to the poor. Pawn shops. Next time you, you drive by a pawn shop, look for, for a symbol. I just Googled it, and it was all over the place. The universal symbol for pawn shops is it's basically like three balls, and they're all kind of connected almost like with, with one stem. Universal symbol for pawn shops. That traces back to this legend that Nicholas threw in three gold balls to this poor father who needed some cash. The universal symbol for pawn shops today points towards Jesus, if you know the story. So going back to Christ's Mass, in Christ's Mass there was not a tradition of giving gifts and and no recognition of St. Nicholas in Christ's Mass. But then the Reformation happened. Remember, 95 Thesis, 500-year anniversary this year, sort of a big deal. Um, But the Reformation happened, and the Protestants come along, and they say, we don't worship saints. And so they scrap it, so no more St. Nicholas Day, and no more giving gifts to children. But the children were used to getting gifts in December. They liked that holiday. And so they petitioned the parents, and they said, we want gifts in Christmas, and you took away our Christmas holiday. So a compromise was reached, and Protestant parents started giving gifts to their kids on Christ's Mass since they had removed the other giving holiday of St. Nicholas Day. Our modern Christmas is actually a merger of two separate holidays, December 25th, Christ's Mass, when churches celebrate the birth of Jesus, and December 6th, when churches celebrated a guy who loved Jesus very much and gave gifts to the poor, often children. Other parts of our Christmas tradition are blended from different migrant groups that came to America because remember this tradition spread all throughout Europe the different migrant group or the different countries in Europe developed their own variation of it they those then migrated to the US and then it all kind of got merged together so in German Nicholas was called Saint Nicholas in Dutch he was called Sinterklaas and if you say that three times fast you eventually end up with Santa Claus in the UK, he became known as Father Christmas or Old Man Christmas. In France, he was known as Pierre Noel. Um, Austria and German have the tradition of the Christ kind, which is a golden-haired baby with wings who symbolizes a newborn baby Jesus. But Christ kind eventually morphed into Kris Kringle. America, the melting pot, was also the melting pot of tradition and terminology. But all of it points to a real man who was a bishop in the church who loved Jesus and strived to live as Jesus lived. St. Nicholas was a bishop in the church. Uh, He was a leader of other churches in his area. Bishops wore red robes, red hats. He was also popular, though, in northern Europe where things get cold. So pictures of him being in Europe in winter would show him wearing the the red robe and the red hat, but it was lined with fur to keep him warm while he was out delivering presents to the kids. Some of the outfits, though, do are a little bit just of um, marketing in the last hundred years or so, actually, as uh, different chain stores kind of latched onto this Christmas thing and a great way to make a buck. Um, one of the earliest pictures of uh, St. Nicholas in um, uh, U.S. advertising actually shows him in the Stars and Stripes, uh, which is kind of interesting. 
But even this man's outfit points to Jesus because the red shows him as a man who loved Jesus but also worked in the church. And the fur lining was because he was out in the cold giving money and gifts to the poor. If you know the story, Santa Claus proclaims the story of Jesus, his birth, his values, his teachings. But of all the stories, by far, my favorite is the Christmas tree. I was amazed to learn the significance of the Christmas tree. And the Christmas tree literally harkens back to this Mount Carmel-esque showdown of whose God is stronger and mightier, and if my God wins, you follow Jesus, and if not, I guess you can kill me. A guy by the name of Winfred, he's born 680 A.D. in England. He grows up in England. He enters a Benedictine monastery. Eventually, he becomes a priest. While there, he, he is noted for his intelligence, his leadership ability. He chooses a career as a missionary. He's eventually selected by Pope Gregory II, who nicknames him Boniface, which means maker of good. Uh, so he, he, he has him to lead the missionary efforts amongst the Germanic tribes. Incidentally, both Boniface and St. Nicholas suffered persecution. Nicholas was imprisoned for a time, and Boniface was actually martyred. Um, he and 52 others were traveling. They were jumped by thieves. All of them were killed, and that place is now known as, I can't, Murderwood is kind of how it sounds in English and German. But in 723, Boniface is traveling near Lower Hesse, H-E-S-S-E. There's a community of dramatic people who lived there, and in the middle of the winter, they would typically make a human sacrifice, typically a child, to their god Thor at the base of their sacred oak tree. And obviously, as a missionary and as a Christian, Boniface had issues with human sacrifices. And as part of that passion, Boniface wanted to destroy the tree, but the locals said that anyone who cut down the tree would be killed by lightning by Thor. Now, before you get kind of flippant about what Boniface should or should not have done, you need to realize that oftentimes there are spiritual entities behind this kind of thing. There are often demonic forces behind this kind of thing. These people weren't just worshiping nothing. There was, I am almost certain, some kind of demonic entity receiving their worship, demanding sacrifices, and even causing harm or death for those who disobeyed. These locals were not stupid, ignorant fools. They were enslaved to some kind of demonic power. So it wasn't nothing. This was very much something. And actually today, Thor has had a resurgence in pop culture simply because he's been in all the Marvel comic movies that have come out. Played by Chris Hemsworth. And if you don't know who that is, ask your wife, because she probably knows. Because <laughs> Pretty hunky guy. The fifth day of the week for these Germanic tribes was set aside uh, in the community to honor Thor, and so they called the fifth day of the week Thor's Day. Thursday. And even element 90 on the periodic table is called Thorium after the god of Thor, which, I mean, if you're nerdy, that's cool. So I thought it was cool. So Boniface walks into this environment... Legend holds that he did arrive in time to stop a child sacrifice. We don't know if that's true or not. And there's this little bit of a showdown, much like what we see in the Old Testament, where Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Boniface is intervening with a false god, a demonic entity, uh, a regent's false religion. Boniface tells them they shouldn't be doing this, and then he does the unthinkable. He grabs an axe, and he cuts down the oak tree. The tree comes down, and to the shock and amazement of everyone, nothing happens to Boniface. No lightning, no death, no nothing. What happens next is a critical discipleship and missionary move, and that is that you never take, you always replace. Learn this from uh, Sam Uwusu, one of my seminary profs, great uh, missiologist guy. But you never take away a lie without replacing it with the truth. People may believe a lie. You can convince them that that lie is untrue, but you never leave it there. You always replace it with the truth of Scripture or with the truth of God. So you don't only take away the false God, but you replace it with the knowledge of the one true God. So legend holds that Boniface turns to the small fir tree that was there nearby, and he said, This little tree, a young child of the forest, shall be your holy tree tonight. 
It is the wood of peace. It is the sign of endless life, for its leaves are evergreen. See how it points heavenward. Let this be called the tree of the Christ child. Gather around it, not in the wild wood, but in your own homes. There it will shelter no deeds of blood, but loving gifts and rites of kindness. And so the people started cutting down small fir trees, bringing them into their house, hanging them from the ceiling. I don't know why, but the ceiling, they did that thing to remind them of Jesus. And so the German, these Germanic groups began a new tradition of bringing this fir tree into the home, decorating it with candles, ornaments, and celebrating the birth of a Savior. And incidentally, the wood from the oak tree that was cut down was later used to build a chapel in that site. And there, there's now a, a church in that location, St. Peter's Church in Fritzlar. And you want to know why nothing happened to Boniface? Because I think this is also important. Nothing happened because the spirits behind the idol worship... It's not because the spirits behind the idol worship were fake, because I, blew, I do believe that they would have been worshiping demonic powers. Nothing happened because Job 1.8 tells us that God places a hedge around his followers, which is where we get the phrase hedge of protection when we pray for people. It's not that there was nothing going on. It's just that they couldn't get to Boniface because of the protection provided by God. Our modern Christmas tree is a reminder that once upon a time, there was a man who loved Jesus. And he was willing to walk into a violent in communities, intervene in human sacrifices, and proclaim, you worship a false god and I will prove it by destroying your altar in front of you. Folks, the gospel is all around us. All around us. When it comes to proclaiming Christ, you're not on your own. God has embedded stories all around us. Find these stories and then use them as your conversation points. A few weeks ago, we're discussing design and, and rap for, for the new ambulance. And, and the point comes up of, you know, like the, the snake on the stick. And it's like, who likes a snake on a stick? And I'm like, I love the snake on the stick. I don't like snakes, actually, but I love the snake on a stick because that's straight out of the Old Testament. Poisonous snakes had infested where the tribe of Israel was. People were getting bitten and killed, and so God instructs Moses make a bronze snake on a stick, and everyone who looks at the snake will be healed and lived, and the whole thing is a precursor to Jesus Christ on the cross. Every time that ambulance drives by, every time you look at a first aid kit, every time you look at a paramedic's badge, snake on a cross, story of Jesus. Right there. People, it couldn't get any easier. Are you seriously telling me that, that you can't find some part of God's design and wonder and gospel message in the planting, growing, and harvesting of crops? One of you, one of you can somehow find the gospel message in irrigation and pivots. It's there. I don't know yet how, but it's there. I bet almost every profession, if you start looking, you will be able to find the gospel message embedded. Somewhere you will find the story of the gospel message. The gospel stories are embedded all around us. See them, use them, share them, and use them to proclaim the message of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that your truth and your message, it's all around us. God, when it comes to this, this thing of proclaim, you didn't leave us on your own to, to just hack out something new. There's stories all around us, and all we have to do is identify them and speak them out. God, thank you for the symbols and the messages that are embedded in Christmas. Lord, I pray for all of us here as we head back to our different places of work that we would find those messages, that we would find your gospel message that you intentionally embedded all around us, and that we would raise the risk in our conversation and that we would speak with boldness about the message that you have embedded. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy, for your faithfulness. Thank you for the Christmas season. I pray for all those here as well, too, that they would have a blessed time with family, and that as we give gifts to one another, we would remember your gift, the greatest of all. We love you and we worship you. Amen. Amen. We want to invite all children to come up if you're interested to sing this last worship song with us. Even if you didn't practice this morning, you're still welcome to come. Come on up.
we'd love for you to come. You will be familiar with most of the, the songs. And kids, you can look at Heidi and Joanne down here if you don't know the words. And then, um, I don't know, do you guys want to stand up too and sing along? Let's do that. Everybody stand up.
thank you so much that we do know the reason and help us to proclaim that and share that to those around us. Thank you for these beautiful children and that it is Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Thanks, kids. You did great. It's Christmas. The angels are